Welcome to our SFN Live podcast, where we discuss all things relevant to Shaw Flooring Network members. Hello, Shaw Flooring Network. I'm joined today, this is Danny Brock, and I'm joined today by Steve Kellogg, who is one of our great retailers out in Modesto, California. Hey, Steve. Hello, Danny. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing really well. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for um, your willingness to come to this podcast and share a little bit about your story. I think there's so much that you've done. Danny and I had the opportunity to go out and visit with Harry, who is our MVP on the West Coast. We went out there maybe a year ago. We visited your stores stores, multiple stores, your whole operation. And we specifically went out to see what you were doing with Shop at Home, but we saw so much more. So we really appreciate you coming on and and sharing with us a little bit about your story. We heard the story that day, and I think it's so compelling. I want to ask you to share it again for all of our listeners out there. So so Steve, start from the beginning and tell us a little bit about how, how flooring liquidators came to be. Okay, you want it all the way from the beginning. I want it from the beginning. All right. It really starts, you know, my parents were divorced when I was young. So my dad lived in Minnesota and my mom was in Modesto, California, Waterford, California, actually. Uh, so I grew up 1,500 people in our town, 800 square foot house. And so I go through high school, go to college uh, on a scholarship and I get out of college and I'm trying to think, you know, what am I going to do? I'm a journalism major. I went to a recruiting event and uh, Queen Carpet at the time was recruiting. So I thought, well, that seems interesting. My my father, and my grandfather been in the flooring business and uh, did the interview. And then I ended up getting hired by Queen. I got moved to Boston. Far, far away. Yeah, far away from Modesto, which is exactly what I wanted. You know, I wanted to see different parts of the world. I went through the training program in Dalton, got to get immersed in the flooring business, went to Boston and I'd spend my days, you know, in my minivan with all my samples traveling around. And I got to see everybody's business. I mean, that's the beauty of being a sales rep. You get to see what everybody does. And what I kind of found was, you know, you had people that did it exceptionally well, and you had people that didn't do it really well, and they all seemed to make money. <laughs> I thought, this seems like a great business. So I did that about four years, kind of right at the point when Queen was being acquired by Shaw. And, uh, and then my dad, uh, who was in Minnesota, got cancer. So I left Shaw at the time and uh, moved to Minnesota to help my dad. And my dad was a great retailer, but he did it sort of different. You know, he worked the promotional goods side a lot, did shop at home, and he kind of taught me the marketing side. So I had had this experience, you know, seeing everybody's businesses. And But he taught me how to, how to market for a customer and how to talk to a customer, how to build a relationship with a customer. All of that was more important than the product. And then you get in the product after. So, so wait, your dad was doing shop at home in the 90s? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, you know, he had a really special relationship with Gay MacArthur and he did a lot of promotional goods. So he would place little classified ads in the paper. I have 5,000 yards of high quality nylon carpet. We'll carpet your living room and hall for $999 or your living room and hall for $399, your whole house for $999. Oh, wow. And he would get phone calls and then, you know, he would go out on those leads and, you know, he was in the home selling and that's where you want to be is in the home selling. I did that with him for about six months. But, you know, like I have a lot of respect for uh, people who work in the business with family members because it isn't easy. And so I sort of decided that, you know, I didn't really want to do that anymore. He had gotten through his treatments. And just one night I decided to pack all my stuff up in my Grand Cherokee and start heading back to California. So I got about halfway to Iowa and he convinced me to come back and I went back and I was there another couple of weeks and I just said, you know what, I, I really need to do this on my own. I sort of have an idea of what I want to do. I had about twelve or fifteen hundred dollars 
all of my stuff in my Grand Cherokee and but all the knowledge that I had from, you know, my time with Queen and Shaw and and working with my father. So I got out to California and I lived with my roommates from college on their couch for a couple of weeks, sort of putting together what I was going to how I was going to do it. And then I went to Modesto and I rented a warehouse. The person who rented me the warehouse, still a customer of ours. He let me move in without the first month's rent, just a deposit. And Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in that warehouse for about a year and a half on a borrowed mattress. And I would place those same little classified ads and I would, uh, you know, kind of run out and I had cuttings from local stores because I knew the products really well. And I had a special relationship with Gay MacArthur, who's really, I mean, has meant as much to me in the business as anybody. And so, you know, she would kind of put together short roll packages for me, matching dye lot, tell me what I had. And then I would run out with samples and I would sell those things. And at the time I was, uh, I would have to collect payment in full because I, I was CBD. <laughs> I don't know if you know what that means. <laughs> That's like cash before delivery. So you're spending, you're sending the money off before the material even leaves. I would send the money and then they would ship the carpet. I would go out with the installers and we would install it. Do you find it was easy to manage at that point? It's a small operation at that point. You're literally living in the warehouse. Yeah, but you, you can imagine the overhead was really low. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty easy to manage. I, I just, it, I was traveling a lot because I would place the ads in little penny saver newspapers all over the place. So I would drive all day, basically, you know, get the installers out in the morning, either go out to the job with them or just start on going on my calls. And I'd go on these sales calls until nine, 10 o'clock at night. And then I'd drive back and go to sleep. And I basically, it's I just rinse and repeat every day. I just did the exact same thing every day. And then, you know, eventually I would start building up a little inventory, you know, Gay would put together packages for me. And then I would bring in, I don't know, 20, 25 rolls. And my first delivery, Danny, the Shaw, the first real stock delivery I had of short rolls, the Shaw driver showed up at the door, like 730 in the morning, knocks on the door and so they got delivery for you. And so I open the door up and he opens up the back of the truck and he's like, where's your forklift? I said, I don't have a forklift. <laughs> so so he jumps in the back of the, the trailer and just starts pushing the short rolls out to me. And I carry him in and, you know, drop him in the warehouse. And that driver, Henry Lopez, is our number one long haul driver right now. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, we talk about that every Christmas party when we sit down and talk about that first meeting when he walked out of the trailer just dripping sweat. So my goodness, you know, I did that for a year and a half, two years, and then decided that I would open a store, found a building, and I sort of knew that I needed to have material there. So I started bringing in some inventory and we built that single store up to, you know, we'd give away hot dogs on the weekends and popcorn and sodas. I mean, two or 300 hot dogs on a weekend. And we'd have, we had to have security people managing the parking lot because the traffic was backed up on Carpenter Road. Wow. Just by running an ad in the paper? At that point, I was starting to run bigger ads like, you know, full page ads, and they were funny. I mean, I bought a bunch of promotional goods and it was supposed to be brown and it got here was red and it was right at Halloween. So we ran a Dracula sale and everything in the ad was red like like blood. So <laughs> but we just did a lot of funny stuff like that. And, and you didn't really care. And, you know, customers would show up and we were buying right, which is where I really learned the importance of buying. So we could sell at a price that people found reasonable. And so word spread and our business grew. And then from that point, you know, I opened another store and then another store. And then pretty soon, you know, we acquired a couple of legacy stores, you know, that have been around for 75 or 80 years. And we built maybe 22 stores now, a builder division, a, you know, full service fabrication shop for our stone business. 
it all kind of came from that very beginning of just understanding when you're sitting in somebody's living room and you're on the floor on your knees, you know, talking to them about color, matching it up to at the time drapes. Nobody has drapes anymore. I mean, that's a special, you know, I'd still tell people in the stores, you know, when you're when you're talking to a customer, putting the sample on the floor and getting on the floor with them to look at it with their wallpaper or their paint chip or you know, their cabinet sample, mm-hmm. that's stuff that you don't get in a home center and it, and it has an impact on a customer. So absolutely. I think all that stuff, what kind of gave us the opportunity. So obviously explosive growth from living in your warehouse, which I know you do not do today, Yeah, living in your warehouse to adding a, that first store and the second store, you know, as you started to grow, what do you think drove you to do that? Like, because every time you add a store, you add complexity to your business. So what do you think that is that drove you to add more and more and more? Well, in the beginning, I saw multi-chain stores and I just thought that was a great thing. And I knew that what I had to create had to be scalable. Everything about the business had to be scalable. You, you, they all couldn't run as independent stores. So, you know, we developed hub and spoke where we have centralized warehousing and then we have uh, stores and those stores are fed out of that central warehouse and all of our back end operations, our claims, catalog, purchasing, all of that is centralized. It's easy to scale a business when you build the infrastructure right from the beginning. And I was lucky to have had that experience with Shaw where I could go out and I could see how people did things and the people who were, I mean, they were all successful. You know, that's the interesting thing about the flooring business. It's, it is a wonderful, wonderful business. You can be an entrepreneur, but the people who were really successful and who didn't have to spend their entire lives managing their business were building a scalable system. And so from the very beginning, that was the most important thing to me was to make sure that everything we did was scalable and it, you know, you find the best people you can. I didn't need the best flooring people. I just needed the best people. And then I could give them the system. And if they were good people, they could manage the system. Right. And so you did that from the beginning. Your story reminds me so much of Donnie Phillips at Atlanta. Of flooring design. Have you ever met him? I have not. We had him on one of these podcasts a couple months back. His story is very similar in that, just like you did, work really hard from the beginning to make sure that he got things installed right. He was listening to customers. He was, what do you call it, CBD? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was that before right. it was cool. So your stories are, they seem so similar to me. And he's, he also has enjoyed this explosive growth. I feel yeah. like almost like we need to study how you do things because, you know, some people don't want to grow like that. Some people are like, whoa, it's too much. I can't, I can't, I can't process that. And then others are like, if I had the infrastructure, I would. So what's the secret for building that in- infrastructure from the beginning? What's the secret there that other people don't see? I think before that though, Danny, you know, what you just said, you know, some people don't want to grow. And some people do. And that's the beauty of our business, really, is, you know, you can be a single store operator and just enjoy the business that you have and run an incredible business. Or you can be somebody who says, I really want to scale this. I want to expand it. And both of those in our business, they have a purpose. They have a place. You know, for me, the scalability was sitting down and looking at what are all the pain points, right? I mean, like we know that claims, everybody in the flooring business knows that claims is an issue. Mm -hmm. We also know that if we address claims, 
immediately, as quick as we can, that we resolve them cheaper. If you're managing your claims at the store level, and that person who's managing the claims also responsible for selling and maybe an installation calendar and a bunch of other things, it's easy to kick the can on a claim because it's one that you really don't want to make the phone call, right? right. It's, just, it's not a happy phone call generally. So, you know, for us, it was finding that pain point and then saying, okay, we have to dedicate not a person because a person will get worn out in claims. We've got to dedicate a team because it's that important to our business. And so finding those places and developing what that plan looks like based on what are the biggest issues that we have every day. That was really for me how I was able to put it together. If I was sitting down teaching a flooring class, which I'm not qualified to do. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Bay. That's where I would start is like, you know, I would ask, where do you want to go? And for a person who who just really wants to manage their store and be able to service their community and go to the grocery store and know people. And I would talk about customer service and, you know, the things that John Staff talks about all the time, marketing yourself. I mean, that's the beauty of this network to me. I mean, I've met people, they're incredible at doing what they do in the capacity that they do it. I mean, the McCools, you know, Jay down in LA at Family Floors. And I've thought my whole life that I was P.T. Barnum until I met John Staff. And now I realize that I don't know anything about marketing. So. <laughs> he's a machine, I'm telling you. He brands everything. He's a machine. You're right. He's a machine. He is. And I'm glad you said that about the network because that's really what we love about the network too, the connection you guys to each other. Not so much us. We love to hear the stories and the anecdotes and, and hear everybody's ideas. But when the groups come together in small groups and they share information with each other, just like what you're talking about, we love to watch that. Even though we're not always involved, it's just, it's magic because you everybody learns from everybody else. That's why we like this podcast because, and that's why we do feature dealer stories because we hear all the time, I just want to hear from more retailers. Right. I want to hear what's working from, from somebody else's perspective. So I'm glad you said that. Talk to us about adding revenue streams. You talked about about your stone business. Tell us about all the different things you offer in your store. I've seen some of it myself, which is so impressive. I mean, so impressive. But how did you get into that? Like, why did you add additional revenue streams besides flooring? And did you find it easier or harder to do that after being in flooring? The person looking for flooring is probably looking for a lot of other home improvement products at the same time. So complementary items like cabinets, countertops, you know, for us, all the small things, handles, door pulls, being able to offer those things to that consumer when they're in market, they're ready. And you start being able to put all of those things together for them and create packages. You know, I don't think most consumers really know how much cabinets are going to cost or how much countertops are going to cost. Sometimes we prejudge it that they're price sensitive. What they really, what I find is most customers really just, they want to tell you that they want cabinets. They want to show you the color they want, and then they want you to do a good job providing them. And price is important, but at the end of the day, cheap cabinets that fall apart aren't going to do them any good. And, and if you can convince a customer that you can provide them great quality. So then all of a sudden now you're in all these different product categories. Now that sounds great in theory and doesn't always work out that way. And I ended up with a very large fabrication shop with a lot of very expensive machinery. I was trying to support all that machinery with retail sales. And what I found was I built a much bigger animal than I needed for what I was doing in retail, which then led us to go out and uh, acquire a builder account that did work for a lot of the big national builders. So you see a lot of times these things build on each other, right, Danny? So you you get into one product category and you got there because it was a complimentary item and you knew it was something that your consumers were looking for. And then it leads to something else. 
which probably leads me to one of the biggest things is I am a student of of my business, not of somebody else's business, but I understand my business. I understand my customers. My daughter just went off to school and I told her, I said, do whatever you want to do, but whatever you're going to do, know it, understand it, research it. And I feel like in the flooring business, I know that. I mean, I, you know, I make the trips to the factories and really try to understand what the construction is in the products and how does that benefit a consumer. I think if you do that, man, you, in this business, very hard not to be successful. That's such great advice. Be a student of your of whatever it is you want to do. I think that is so important. And I'm sure I'm sure most people listening to this are probably students of their own business, but probably haven't thought about it that way. I think I'm a student of retail in general, you know, like understanding how the small ones work, the medium size, the super large. I ask a million questions everywhere I go because I want to understand. So I think that's such good advice for your daughter and for all of us. Very good advice. So as we wrap up, if you could give one piece of advice to another retailer out there listening to this story, whatever they've heard, you know, they're going to they're going to listen to this and think, wow, that's pretty impressive. But if you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it's what I just said. You know, it was the, it was one of the great parts of working with my dad. He was never afraid to take a risk because it wasn't a risk because he knew everything about it. Normal retailer gets can get locked into a path. I mean, it's easy to get locked into the way your business runs. And sometimes it's hard, you know, you don't get a chance if 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 you're in a community like Modesto where you got 250,000 people, you don't just get up and go over to your competitors and stop start talking about the way you do business. It's the neat thing about, you know, going to the SFN convention in Florida, which was my first one, I got, I mean, I just got to sit and talk to retailers from all over the country. And, you know, Michelle up in Wisconsin, talking to her about the way she serviced a customer. So many different businesses that operate different. And I walked away from that convention learning stuff. I mean, we have implemented stuff from that. So, you know, learning all the time and being a part of a group like SFN, where you have all of these resources that you just absolutely, even at our scale, could not do them efficiently without the scale of the group. What a great compliment to the group itself. And for those listening that don't know who Michelle is, Michelle was featured on one of our podcasts and she is she's part of a mom and pop operation is what we call it. Very small operation. She'll tell you that she runs the showroom and her husband does installation, but she is so smart when it comes to marketing her business. She knows her business. And so that's who he's referencing when he talks about Michelle in Wisconsin. She's our friend. We love her. So let me ask you one more question before I let you go. Those roommates that loaned you their couch for a couple of weeks, what do they say? What do they say about Steve Kellogg now with 22 stores? Well, one of them ended up became a 10% partner in the business. Ah. Yeah. And we're all incredibly great friends. We were in you know, San Diego at Padres games this last weekend. I don't know. We don't ask those kind of questions. To <laughs> <laughs> I bet they think you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I just have to pay the bar bill. <laughs> they send you the bill now. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, thank you, Steve Kellogg. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And we're going to actually hear from you a little bit later on another podcast about some of your innovations. You're very innovative. So we're going to talk about one of one of said innovations that we think can change the business. So y'all tune in to that one next week. Steve, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of SFN Live Podcast. We'll see you next week. 